You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. Welcome, Welcome to the Smoking Wedge. For today's episode, we don't want to start it on a sour note, but we got the bad news that we lost um, a New York hardcore brother. And um, we want to dedicate this show to Rob from Black Train Jack. This one's for you. Welcome to the Smoking Word. Yo, what's up? What's up, everybody? The Smoking Word is back and always brought to you by CasaTheRock.com. Everybody knows the deal. That's my merch store. Everything is done in-house by your boy. We got T-shirts. We got shorts. We got a bunch of shit. And um, to celebrate 2021, if you haven't heard, I made all T-shirts $21. So you can support the show by copying some merch. And now I'm really glad and finally, I'm very psyched to drop our Patreon. Our Patreon is finally live. And I'm going to do a little explaining on this Patreon shit because I was one of these guys that didn't understand it and and didn't give a shit about it. But this is a way to invest in the show. If you like what you hear, you like the content and you want to keep hearing the smoking word, this is how you could support the show. You go to Patreon slash the smoking word. And on there, we got four tiers of stuff. You get exclusive, you know, video, you get exclusive content. You're going to get I'm dropping Smoking Word TV on YouTube and you guys are going to be able to see and get stuff that nobody else, unless you're a member, is going to be able to get. So again, we don't want nothing for nothing. We're giving something for something. So you want to invest in the the show, go to Patreon slash the Smoking Word and again, pick a tier and we're going to have fun with it. We got a lot of dope shit. We got an album of the month. We're going to have live streams from the backstage and all that good shit. So and enjoy these videos while you can, because I'm always going to throw the audio up. But the visuals are going to be for the Patreons. You know what I mean? For all my patrons out there. So but yo, everybody out there support the show. You could do it like that. You can also follow me at Hoya Rock 357 on Instagram. You know the deal, the smoking word. Also, you guys got to add me on Instagram. We're trying to keep everybody up to date on what we're doing. We got a lot of things going, as you could tell. Like, this COVID shit, this shit might have fucking stopped some people, but this shit just lit a fire under our asses. So we're dropping a lot of shit. A lot of stuff is about to come out. So fo- add the Smoking Word podcast on Instagram. And if you have any questions you want to write into the show, you want to shout us out. You want to just talk shit. You want to curse us out and get this back. You can write us at the smoking word podcast at yahoo.com. So hit us up on that. You know, show some love, spread the word. Yeah. And I want to give a big shout out to Warlock Cabinets. Um, they're a company out of Massachusetts. Um, guys doing it, you know, out of his, he has his own space and, he makes some really dope stuff. You can follow them on Instagram. And also you could check them out at um, Warlock Cabinets um, at Big Cartel. We're in the works right now on making a Hoya Rock rump shaking box that is in the works. That's all I'm going to say right now. But look out for that. We got something dope in the works with that. And um, also I want to welcome to the fucking Smoking Word family. 
the hella hot sauce fam from San Francisco. If anybody knows me, they know I'm a hot sauce fanatic. And um, we we actually I actually met them in San Francisco um, a couple years back. And um, uh, there are, you know, it's a guy and his wife. Um, they make the stuff out of their house, you know, real cool guy. And, and they're, they're, they all support the underground movement. You know, um, um, actually, um, my boy, Frankie Haybury. What's up, Frank? Um, his source is up next, but um, they got a, all natural, fresh ingredients, no weird fucking preservatives and shit like that. And um, really good flavors. And so far, I've been I started out with this one for everybody out there. The hella hot sauce fam, go check them out. I've been rocking this on my rice cakes with that hummus. Not a lot of heat on this one, but this one has a good flavor. I'm waiting to get to that hot shit that's coming up, but I'm gonna be dropping some reviews. So, yo, go check them out. The hella hot sauce fam, they're on Instagram. Um, look out for the reviews, and I also gonna be dropping um, uh, do it yourself hot sauce with the hella hot sauce fam for my patrons. So. You're going to want to get down with that. And um, what else could I say? Um, this episode coming up, you know, I want to keep things fresh and sexy and just not do the same one and twos. And, um, you know, of course, everybody, I hope you went out and heard that all about that base episode. But I wanted to do something for the Axemen of the game. And I said, who better than I've been blessed to have um, my brothers be some of the 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 groundbreaking um, bricklayers of this house, of this movement that we play in, and um, just some badass guitarists. So, you know, I decided to get who else? I cannot have a guitar episode without the one and only, the Godfather Hardcore, my brother, the one and only Vinny Stigma, my brother, Wildcard Maddie Henderson, and my brother, the Viking Lars Fredrickson. So, this one's for you, Axe guys. Yo, let's set this shit off. Yo, what's up? What's up? This very, very special episode of the Smoking Word podcast. And um, I figured we're going to have a little fun with it. And this was for all the guitar guys out there. And I figured, um, let me bring to the, let me bring up to the stage first, the one and only the godfather of this whole shit we do, my brother, the one and only, godfather of New York hardcore, Vinny Stigma. Lars, what's up? What you up? Know? It's funny, because I just announced Stigma, and you popped out. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. What's up, Lars? Welcome to the Smoking Word Podcast. What's up, buddy? How you doing today? First of all, I just want to say you're the most on point motherfucker for the guy I talk to the least about it. But, you know, I should have known that because, you know, proof's in the pudding. I'm on rancid time, bro. That's what I mean. I forgot rancid, you know, don't let, you know, all the pins and the holes in the clothes fool you. These motherfuckers are on point. You know, it's uh, what we have. We have a saying 10 minutes early is right on time. You know what, Lars, again, you know what time it is. But, Lars, again, like I said, this is one we're going to have some fun with. I said, let me do something special. I wanted to do the guitar. First of all, guys that I love and I think are important to our whole movement. And it just happened to be you guys are my brothers. And across the board, a different flavor. for This one's for the guitar guys out there. So I said, 
Lars, I had to get you back on because awesome. let's talk some guitar shit. But, you know, I said, let's bring some more people along. And I figured, who else we got on deck? Let's bring the next guy on deck. Because you never know who's going to go with this raffle, right? It's like a slot machine. Who is it? Who is it? Other kids. Oh, man, just like that. We got Maddie Henderson in the building. Do you hear me, Maddie? The man. Maddie, you hear me? Yo. Yo, you hear me? Do you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear me? All right, yeah, yeah. Just, we just, you know, we, you know, when you put gorillas in technology together, <laughs> weird things happen, but they happen. Yeah. Maddie, welcome yes, to the spoken word again. As you, see, here. as you can see, who we got next to us. What's up, brother? What's up, bro? How you been? Yeah. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Right we had a little technical difficulties, but with the magic of editing, it's gonna <laughs> look like magic. But look at, but like I was telling Lars, Maddie, we had talked about this before. I said yeah. I wanted to have fun with it, and I said we did that all about that bass episode, and I said I wanted yep. to do something for the guitar guys because you know better than anybody. I'm a bass player, but I'm a big fan and love of the guitar. And like I was telling Lars, I just had my 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 brothers just happened to be some of my favorite guitarists, and they're all three different guitarists of three different flavors. I figured. Perfect. Let's do this. And they gave us a reason to get together and talk shit. But, you know, none of this could not have happened without one person. We missed them on the last, on the Set It Off reunion episode. But yeah. this one was not going to happen unless this man was here. Not only is he, I, I owe him everything I do because um, I met my wife, rest in peace. I got my career. I got my children. I got everything I do is based upon um, the music I play and the, and, and the movement I follow. And this man is basically the guy who, who, who he, his boots is what I try to walk in, yep. in, 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 in this movement. And yep. from, from everything, from the way he thinks, from how his outlook on the music, from his craziness, from his freedomness to his crazy guitar playing, you know, which we're going to talk about and all that stuff. I said, we need the godfather, the one and only Vinny Stigma in the building if we're going to do a guitar episode. No. So I, I wanted to do this shit again. You know, everybody right now, you know, uh, the, the whole how you got into this music, you know, that shit is all cool, but that shit is so played out at the moment. You know what I mean? Like um, the one-on-one stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's stuff that, in all fairness, people in our world, there's always somebody new and it's good for them to get informed and all that. But I wanted to have fun with it and with the whole bass episode and you know us, we've always backstage, like I, you know, uh, me and Lars were, you know, we had uh, a, a drum um, um, beef when we were talking drummers one time, but you know, yeah. we're, and you know, Maddie, we were always talking, um, well, which we'll bring up later is um, the Stevie Ray Vaughan, the Jimi Hendrix. Yep, you know, right. there's always this guitar shop. And I said, yeah, I forget who my, 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 my people are. And I said, yo, you know, these are the combos that people always ask me, what did this guy think of? What did this guy think of? And I said, well, now you could just tune in and listen, mm. you know, but um, let's start with this. But this is the only kind of, oh, how did this start? Guitar, Lars. Yeah. Why guitar? Like, you know, you know, where was your first encounter with it and why guitar? Well, actually, the first instrument I ever got was a bass. And that explains why I like you a little bit more than maybe the average guy from jump. 
But all right, bass. Hey, but it had like, uh, I think it had three strings on it. The action was like this high off the fucking thing, you know? And my friend Andy Finney had it in his closet and he wasn't using it. And he's like, just take it. And I didn't know how to tune it or anything. You know, I, was, I must have been about 11, 10, 11 years old. And then uh, I just kind of couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And, and when what, a few, few years what later- What were you listening to then, Lars? Sorry, what were you listening to at that time? Well, it was all punk at that time, you know? It was oh. all, the, all the oi shit. Okay. Because um, this would have been like 81, 82. So <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, because I was like 10 or 11. So I was listening to like GBH and stuff like that, you know, and of course ACDC. And, and I think I was kind of coming out of my, like the, the, the Kiss records were starting to go back in the shelf, you know what I mean? And so I would just kind of sit and try to make sounds with it. But like I said, it was so hard to play and you had to like really, yeah. and you know, when you're 11 years old, you don't got any finger strength or anything like that. At least I didn't anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I got a heart on every time the wind blew fast, but um you know, that's what happens when you're 11, right? See so. all that. A long time ago for you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, my brother was the first one to have a, have a guitar. And I would used to, he used to keep it under his bed. And I used to sneak it when he was away because if he caught me, he'd beat the shit out of me. So. But which, which guitar was it? Do you remember? Was it a... It was like a, um, a Strat copy kind of thing. His buddy, Cliff. Um, had t taken all the Budweiser labels off of the beer bottles and, and made stuck it put it all over the guitar. Oh yeah, that was a... And then like, cause they had that sticky stuff, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know? But, um, you know, and I would play it every once in a while. And then I bought my first guitar when I was like 15. What was your first guitar that you bought? It was, was the guitar it... I was on that actually that I smashed and that's on the Root Radicals cover. Oh um, shit. It was called a, a, the Paul Deluxe. It was, there was, a, there was a band called the Purple People Eaters. And one of the guys in the band. Dope name. So, uh, my, so I grew up, you know, uh, with um, this guy, Simon Woodstock. He ended up becoming like a professional skateboarder and stuff. And his brother was a musician. And, I, and his brother gave him that guitar. And then I, to trade Simon for the guitar, I, did, I covered Simon's paper route for like three months. You, so you're, I, you're, yeah. You really, so. want, you really wanted it. You see kids, when you, you know, that's the shit when you, you know, with this music shit like us. We would do anything to be able to make noise out of these pieces of wood, you know, like we would paper routes, get jobs, do things we would never want to do, walk miles to the studio, you know, just to get in a studio and make noise, you know, with your friends. It's crazy. And I want to say this, shout out to Big Brothers, because, um, I, and a lot of our background, same thing with me playing, if, I, if it was me, one, I played bass because my big brother wanted to play bass. So I said, fuck it. it it must be cool if he thinks it's cool. If it wasn't for our big brothers around, us little brothers wouldn't have something to try to copy and then find ourselves and shit. Yeah. I probably, so, would, probably wouldn't have learned how to take a punch either. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too, because my brother punches hard. Let me tell you, oh, I'm a, a gorilla. Maddie, let me ask you. I kind of know the story, but kind of not also. I, just kinda, I thought you were born with a guitar. I thought you popped out of Mrs. Hendy. What the fuck, Ed? The flying V, the polka dot, the flying V. Ready, going, you know, but, uh... Maddie, but again, a lot of people, you're also, you're known, you know, you're known, and, you know, for a lot of the newer kids when uh, the hardcore was starting to cross over, and that crew was starting to cross over again, you know, in yeah. a different way. You know, a lot of people looked at the one voice playing, that era of playing, so, you know, it's good. So, your first guitar, like, how, what, what guitar again, how did... 
that shit fall into your lap? What, what, what turned you on about that? Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I was playing drums at, by like the time I was like six years old. Drums I actually first. had like a, a Ludwig snare drum because uh, I'd already gone through like, you know, kind of the fake, you know, toy drum kit stage. Cause I had an uncle who played drums, right? So I was like, drums are cool, man. He, he'd let me sit down behind his kid every once in a while. And uh, eventually got a, a Ludwig snare. And uh, I used to just beat on that to kiss records, right? So, so kiss. drum, I, you know, I wanted to be Peter Chris, all, all the drums and just, you know, loud, uh, loved kiss, loud, heavy music, loved playing drums. And then, um, you know, I wound up meeting this kid, uh, at school who had a drum kit and an electric guitar. And it was a cheap, like, it, we, we called it Lucille because it looked like a BB King, you know, uh, Gibson, you know. That's kind of like the Tim, Tim guitar is like a Lucille, right? Yeah, right, exactly, that look, yep. Um, and so uh, he, could, he could fool around on the guitar and just kind of make like, he, he made up his own goofy little songs like on a, on a single string, either the low string or the high string. And then I'd, I'd start playing drums and, you know, I'm like, this is awesome, we're jamming. But then Eddie Van Halen came out, Van Halen, 78. And I was just like, you know, it was amazing. Yeah, I know Eddie Van record. Halen was your guy. So, so I'm like, and there, there, I went to this school. It was like a hippie school, right? It was called Open School. I love this, Lars. You, you know this about Matt? This is great because. And so, so we, had a school, we had a school band, right? Um, and all I wanted to do was play music. I, like I school beyond that really didn't mean that much to me. Uh, and there was this younger guy teaching school band. And uh, he, he was a, a local musician in a lot of like R&B bands, like, you know, kind of like blues, bluesy R&B style. He, he was that explains your flavor. I'm glad, I'm glad you met. Was he, a, was, he a guy, was he a guy of color? Was he Hispanic or black? He, you know what? He, he was he was a man of same complexion as myself, but uh -huh. he spoke he spoke in a way that made you know. Yeah, he was he a cool white with, boy. Uh, all shades, right? Yeah, he was a cool. He was a he was a Bill Clinton white boy, a sax <laughs> sax playing white boy. He was exactly. like like Hendy white boy. First of all, like you know, Mads Pop. He's the was the cool guy. You know, Mads Pop is the one who put him on the music. It's true. So he's like a white boy who liked the the flavor. Yeah. So, shout out well, to you white boys who like flavor out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, this guy, this guy would like, he had part of the school band thing is he had an electric guitar and an amp and it had a little good distortion to it, right? And he could play, he could, he, he could, this is the first guy, he, he used to do it for me and I learned how to do it from him. You know, these are the back in the days when you put a record on the turntable and you'd listen and try to play along. Yeah. And this guy could give me dumbed down versions of just about every song I wanted to try to learn. And I told my, my friend who owned the guitar, I said, go, go chill with you know, the, the band teacher because he can teach you real songs yeah. and then we can really play. And my friend's like, eh, I don't know, I don't, I'm not really into it. I'm like, fuck it, I'll play, I'll play the guitar. So you know, I got Eddie Van Halen in my mind. Yeah. I got this guy who knows how to teach and show me real songs. And that's how it started, man, I was and, 10 years and, old. First guitar, what was it? Uh, the first guitar I bought with my own money was $125. It was a Kalamazoo. Yo, that shit is mad money for Kalamazoo back then. That Kalamazoo is actually a, an old division of uh, 
Gibson. Oh, I thought it was an old wooden ship. No, all right. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was a place in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the good old Kalamazoo. You know, yeah. right? Something that you said, Maddie, that makes perfect sense because I've always, like, I, when I hear you play guitar, I know it's you. You're, you have a very distinct thing. And I've always thought that you are very percussive. So it makes so much sense that you started with the drums because your right hand yeah. is so solid. Drums, drums are everything to me, man. Yeah. Drums are everything. I mean, because that's the way I, I vision it too. If I'm if I'm with the drums, then everything else has the space. Okay. But like you, when I hear you play guitar, it's like, oh yeah, he percussive, must. yeah. Very very percussive, and that's your style is so unique, and everybody tries to 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 emulate it. And um, I, I and I think and I think, um, wait a minute, we have we have an alert, we have an alert. Oh. I think. Stigma has landed. Stigma has entered the building. Oh, everybody. everybody, Stigma. I'm glad to get like I was telling everybody this get this episode was going to be you should have been on a while ago. That's another story. Oh, uh, yeah. But this one was for the guitar guys. And I said, we're working this shit around Stigma because this is basically the Stigma episode and our my excuse to hang out with us oh, to hang out with you. I just lost you. So um, Stiggy, how you been? I'm all right. I I uh, I lost the screen thing over yeah, there. Yeah, we just lost it. <laughs> That's but okay. You got a great background. Yeah, you like it. Yeah, we got you a, look like a real DJ. It's a big multi-million dollar operation I got over here. It Stigma. looks like it. Spotify said no. Uh, Apple said no. So I, I'm in spot yeah. Apple. I'm in this yeah, well, middle you know zone. What, you know what I got to say? To talk to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Sticky, no. So look at we're talking. So today this one was for the guitar guys. And I was like, because, you know, who better, you know, like I was telling, especially in our world, you know, I was like, we, we could trace a lot of our history to you, you know, and, and, and a lot of your influences is basically what we do. You know, if we like it or not, if people out there want to acknowledge it or not, it's a fact because you were one of the, like it or not, people could say what they want. You were one of those first bricks in this shit that in this house we live in. So we all got some stigma in us. All I right. Had, I so, had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, and that's the best part, and that's how yeah, that's how you, yeah. magic happens. Yeah, when yeah, people yeah. go out and plan shit, nothing happens. Yeah, you can I, see I, it's yeah, fake. Yeah. You know, yeah. you did some yeah. shit because it was felt. It wasn't talked about. You guys are great, because Lars is a great songwriter. Maddie Henderson, poor Maddie, he used to duct tape my hand to the guitar. <laughs> poor know? Matt. Oh, he he tortured me, but he he got patience of a saint. I gotta give it a night. No, we're gonna we're gonna go into that. Well, I want to start with this because I was just talking with them, and you came at the perfect time. Um, and, I, and this is what I wanted to know: like guitar, like why guitar? Like how? What was your first thing? What was the thing that made you, made you bite? Like you know, you know, to grab one. Like why not the drums and bass? Like some yeah, of these other yeah, guys. Yeah. I tried drums. I had three sets of drums. I'm not a drummer. Lars, you hear another drummer guy. Another drummer. Player. I'm a real good bass player, but I always wanted to play the guitar. And because my uncles played the guitar, they played guitars and ukuleles, and I still know all the old songs, Usari Now, Pennies from Heaven, like, yeah. you know? And uh, they, I always got an acoustic guitar. And I, I play, fooled around with it when I was a kid, didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, I don't want this fucking thing. I, I want an electric guitar. So I would smash the guitar. Then one day, there were guitars in the neighborhood for $90 with the, with the crocodile case and everything. I mean, really? You I like that, that. croc case? Fender Mustang with a stripe on it, a racing stripe. That was my first real guitar. And uh, 
Wow. You know, I always wanted an electric guitar. And Jimi Hendrix with the Fender. Yeah. And I look so cool in that guitar. <laughs> like, yeah, it fit my body. Yeah, and and, 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 and guitar guitar guys, it's fair to say we're always cool. Then even you know, were you guys yeah, to be yeah, the guitar yeah, guy yeah, was yeah, like yeah. a cool guy, right? You gotta be a real man to play a bass. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. I think, yeah, let him know, Sticky. Let him know. Okay, yeah, that's true. I gotta I'm, say that. <laughs> but I, I just I was sick of being a virgin. That's why I. <laughs> Did you towel, towel off yet? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, all right, let me ask you this. So, uh, all right, early. This is a good one for all you guys because. Besides, obviously, early influences or whatever, but like, you know, we all grew up um, with, um, you know, kind of similar, you know, it's uh, some, uh, what do you call it, classic rock, and then everybody fell into their punk rock, oi, hardcore kind of thing in, in different phases. All right, Stiggy, let me ask, let me start with you on, on this one. Your first guy, all right, Jimi Hendrix, with, with his favorite, say your first guy was, okay, I got a guitar now, Jimi Hendrix is the a guy that, okay, I could look up to and I love him. I want to try to do what he does. Yeah, I, I, he was definitely the one. The one. Yeah. And then as I started, like, getting into, you know, guitar, I always wanted to be that guitar, like Andre Segovia or Joe Paz. You know, these are, like, jazz. Who, who are these guys? Oh, jazz guys. You know, I don't no, even forget know about them. I thought they, they lived down the block. Plays 12 string guitar. You know, they're like, I wanted to be, like, you know, like a Caruso. Oh, love, yeah. You know, music. Yeah, I'm yeah. my kid. I'm a hardcore guy. Yeah, I yeah. I punk rock, and I play three, four chords. You mingle them up, side to side, forward and back, and, and you make a song. <laughs> and there you go. Really, Thank you, good night. Stick my hands. The same song over and over. I love it. A lot, a lot. Can I say something? Yeah, go you, ahead. Mentioned, you mentioned Joe Pass. And, you know, uh, when I first joined Agnostic Front, I was just kept coming out of, you know, starting my shit at Berkeley College of Music, right? And that's all jazz over there, all right. jazz. And I didn't really know that when I started. Like, I knew jazz was a part of it, but, I mean, unless you want to be a jazz musician and you're not, I, that school's not necessarily the best place for you. But, yeah. So when me and Vinny were, you know, getting to know each other and, and playing guitar together and just talking and hanging. And I had, I was working on this one little progression, this little jazz, you know, thing. And I, I remember, I don't, do you remember the, the line, Vinny? I showed it to you and you and I used to play it together. Uh, it was like this little jazz progression. And I know you really liked it. And we started talking about Joe Pass. I'm like, oh shit, Stigma knows who Joe Pass is. And he told me, yeah, and I, I went to some clinic or something. You saw him do a clinic. Yeah, you, it was a long time ago. But the one thing you said, man, all I could really do is just pay attention to his head because it's bald and he was sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Very easily distracted. <laughs> <laughs> so sweaty heads when you got out of the I clinic. Mean, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Lo, lo, See, I was easily distracted. Maddie used to duct tape my hand to the guitar to teach me how to my, palm mute. Palm hey, mute. Yeah, because stigma, stigma, stigma was doing what do you call that, Lars? When the, oh, the hillbillies the used to use the, the washboard. Stigma <laughs> was doing a lot of this. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but this is what. No, Stigma got it, but he, at one point he was like, ah, oh, fuck you guys, just because I think he didn't want to hear us. B bothering him, he went against us. You know, he was punk rock even with us. He was punk Look, rock. Stigma, Stigma is the consummate performer. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, of course. It, it, he's not, it's just how he lives. It's not even performing. It doesn't even matter. It's, it's, he, he oozes personality. There's so much charisma and, and, uh, and one guy. It's like, 
Come on, share a little bit with the rest yeah, of yeah, like, yeah, but You know what? I had such great times with all you guys. Yeah. I mean, if it's with Robin Williams drinking coffee in my kitchen, singing doo-wops with you, Lars, or wow. Maddie Henderson struggling to teach me a song, or you, Hoy, and me, and you throw bottles at people. <laughs> I, I, know, know I, I mean? know, I know. Going on tours and having a good time because I just did this last tour, the Resistance Tour, and it was, I came home the day Kobe Bryant died. Yeah. That was January 26th. I played the London Academy. Great show it was my last show. I was fucking dead tired. But I said, you know what? I'm going to leave it all on stage. So I, play, I said goodbye to everybody the night before. Goodbye. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you tonight, goodbye. Oh, yeah. Stay, that's a stigma move. Said, goodbye. Goodbye, Stig Dad. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. <laughs> I said goodbye the night before. It was a lousy, rainy uh, night in England. It. You know what they say about England. Come for the food. Stay for the weather. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so anyways, lousy night. We, we played the London Academy. Three tours. Sold out. Beautiful. I was on target. And then after, then we found out Kobe Bryant died. I went home. I figured, ah, I got another tour lined up in a, a little bit. And then, boom, the COVID hit. And yeah. I've been flat ever since. Yeah. I mean, I did the thing for Jesse, uh, Save the Stages, yeah. and I'm doing a, something for Mark Generation Records, yeah. revive the music. You know, Stigma, you still, like you're doing what you did. Stigma, you know what you're doing what you did back then. You fuck it. You're, you're doing your part to keep the shit alive, to hey. keep the shit, you know. You haven't you stopped. Know how many benefits I did for CBGBs? I we know. actually ran that place. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, with Roger, especially with Roger. Stigma is the proof in that pudding. <laughs> it may be a little sour, but he's the proof yeah. in that pudding. A little bit. But, yeah. Okay. Lars, this is yeah. what I want to know. Like, we were talking about the one guitar guy, because this is weird, because you also jumped into the whole band, the whole punk rock real early. So I, I, I was wondering, your guitar guy, I was auto automatically assuming it had to be some punk rock dude. How Stigma's guy was Jimi Hendrix. Who was your guy when you were ready to play? I could be wrong. It could be... ACDC guy or somebody, but well, that's just, that's the thing. There's there's I think there's like four prominent guitar players for me, and that was obviously Ace Frehley, Malcolm Young, and it was more more so than Angus because I you know I, I remember hearing ACDC and just kind of hearing that rhythm guitar and going I, that that would be easier for me to do. Okay, you oh, know? so that early on you already was listening to oh um the lead guitar and rhythm guitar because I never learned about none of that till I played with Maddie. And then I had to pay attention to two guitars because wow. I really I played with two guitars, but I never paid attention. I would just worry about myself. So right. I kind of had to train myself to hear two, you know, everything. So it's hard to do early. That's what I was for sure. And then it was like uh, obviously um, Jock from GBH, and and then most importantly, I will say, um, fucking Steve Whale from the Business because that sound on yeah. Supreme Rebels and the way that like now that I know just by you know playing with him, but also now that I'm a little bit more educated on, on making records and whatever, he's a little bit behind the beat. Yeah. What is it, what, he's not like on the one, like me and Maddie would probably be, when we would probably like have a shit conniption fit uh, one. Yeah. You know, it's like a stigma, stigma is, a, is wild. Yeah. You know? And I've recorded stigma and stigma can fucking play. Yeah. And, but he, he's got his, he, it's like, I remember when we were doing that agnostic front record, um, Riot Riot Upstart, and if you soloed anybody, 
you'd just be like, what the fuck is going on? But when, then when you had everybody in, it was like, oh yeah, it's like, this is yeah. everybody's doing their thing and bringing their style. So that's the side note. But um, Steve Whale, like he, he just had that big guitar sound and it was just like the, the, the way that he left the space open. Yeah. You know, like he would just, it wouldn't be like, you know, a, a full on downstroke like Johnny Ramone or something like that. It would just be like these big, like what we call in Rancid. And I don't know why we call them that, but we call them football chords. <laughs> football I don't know why we call them that, but it just happens. I don't know. And, it's, and, and, and I totally see that because this is the thing with Steve. Like when people that know Steve, like Steve's, he's a white boy with flavor. An English guy, he has this a, a flavor that is not a loud flavor, but he has a swag that it, you could tell, like, you know, that's my brother. And uh. look at, we've been in, me and Steve, we've been in hip hop clubs. We've been in rock. We've been in chasing people, running out of everything. But he has a flavor to him. That ain't what, you know, a stereotypical, what you think, you know, old oi, you know, uh, guitar guy would have. He has that. That's why his rock and roll is dope. You know right. what I mean? Like, it has that. You well, know. one of the things I learned mostly from him is he would listen to so many different kinds of music. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I think for a long time for me, it was like, if it was in the punk, hardcore, reggae kind of realm, I yeah. was into it, you know, and I'd listen to some metal stuff like Slayer or whatever and, and Exodus and Creator yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and, but like he would listen to such a broad spectrum of stuff. And uh, like it, for me, with music had to be super, like even if it was like Manowar, it just had to be like, just so like next level, like, you know, loincloths and fucking swords. For me to like get behind. so that's probably why I love punk so much. That's why I love Kiss because it was like Kabuki. Yeah, you know? yeah. You like the theatrics a little bit more theatrics yeah. with the the, but, the sound. But once like the you know like New York hardcore came, I mean that that was a game changer. That changed everything in punk rock. You yeah. know, it became more. I feel like it, it was like America's like I feel like hardcore music was like the original American skinhead music. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah, you know, it, and it was well, like AF was. You know, that's exactly. And I and I saw AF. You know, I remember going to see when you guys were supposed to be on tour with GBH, and you guys played One Step Beyond, and that show the Chromags. I guess you guys split the tour with the Chromags. This is what eighty five, eighty six, maybe. Yeah, they they we did most of that tour. Yeah. Yeah, but when you talk guys, about it, well, when you guys played California, it wasn't you. It was the Chromags instead oh, yeah? of yeah. So what well, on that tour, anyways? It was like the Accused, GBH, and it was supposed to be you guys, but Chromags were there. But I mean, you know, whatever. Listen, yeah, you know, there's there's been always, you know, um 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 uh, 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 history of uh, you know skins in New York. And this guy is that guy. AF was the first skinhead band, American skinhead band. Let's just say that right now. Period. Yeah. So, you know, people can have their story on who they came, first guy to get a haircut, first guy to lace up, the, whatever, whatever. First skinhead American band was Agnostic Front, just so everybody fucking knows that. And just so everybody knows they weren't on some white power shit. Fucking oh, yeah. just, just, I mean, for if you don't know that by now, you people are morons. But when yeah. we talk skinheads, I always like bringing that up because all of us have our roots and we, that's where we all are. Uh, everybody on this page, that's what we all are. Just yep. because we don't, if we yep. not, we, 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 we may not have our flight jackets on at yep. the moment or walk around. Every, I'm letting everybody know what time it is. And the same thing with, with AF, 
and especially, you know, the skin movement, that's a big part of the hardcore movement, which is a big part of even sonically all our sounds. Everybody, I can say that on behalf of everybody, you know, the, the oi sound, the, 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 you know, the sounds that were adopted, that mix from the punk side of the oi, the oi side, and from the metal, everybody in this page did that. So I just wanted to say that, you know, shout out to all the fucking skins out there, <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I was going to say that Victim in Pain, like that, that is the record that, that was the game changer. A lot of people, when they talk about hardcore, they talk about the Cro-Mags or whatever. Yeah. No, it was AF 100% because that was like punk, skinhead. That was, that was the, the, the hardcore, yeah. hardcore punk. It was the, the mash, the right mashup of shit. When you, when you, back then, sorry, just, I want to say something. No, go ahead, go ahead. Say it. Back then, you didn't just refer to it as hardcore. You called it hardcore punk. Yeah. Yep. You know, I remember those days and, well. Yep. And um, Maddie, all right, because Maddie, uh, uh, the AF sound as a guitar sound, like, you know, the yeah. overall, what, what the, the, that sound in hardcore meant. When we all heard Victim in Pain, just hearing Victim in Pain, look, at, I heard that in the background in my house because my brother was already listening to that. When I was listening to just hip-hop, there was two other sounds was victim in pain and black Sabbath coming out of the other room. You know what I mean? So I always was like, I love Sabbath. And the other thing was crazy, but it was something I liked about it, but I liked it more when I saw them, yeah. you know, there was a picture. I always yeah. tell this story, yeah. you know, um, AF, you guys had an article in an old um, titty magazine called new look magazine. I remember this to my, to this day, I was fucking like 11 years old. And my brother bought it because he's like, agnostic fronts in it. And, you know, back then you had an article this big. It was a big deal. It was yeah. like Time Magazine. Yeah. And the picture was Roger and Stigma in the backstage of CBs. They were after a show, sweaty or whatever. And I remember looking at him and I go, damn, these guys look fucking dirty. Like, <laughs> like savages. But I was yeah. like, yo, but it's kind of hard. Something about it told me then. I was like, yo, but it looks hard, you know. They had tattoos. They didn't have no makeup on, you know. They had the graffiti in the backstage. And I was like, yo, there's fucking something about it. And then now I related the visual with the sound I would hear. And I say, yo, I love Slayer. I love it. But I go, this makes more sense of my everyday. This feels like my, my, my you know, when I ride the train with MQ, mm. this is what it feels like. Like wow. gritty and that. These are the dudes that are around. And, and it's up right away. I, I went towards that. Maddie. You joined AF and you are historian with the guitar work and with the music like 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 we all are. What was it about that the early guitar? What could you describe besides the tuning on the first album, which we'll talk about? What was it that that, that you think stuck out to you? Because you're you're a good tone guy, and I know you were a tone guy early. What was it that made you like that and not push away from it? Because you are a guitar guy and if you know when purists hear that record, so if they don't get it, they can, they're gonna sit there and say things might not be tuned or this is louder than that, and they might not get it. You know what I mean? What made you get it since you were more a scientist with the with the guitar? Um, because I had balls, sounded <laughs> sounded yeah. badass. Um, you know, and it's funny you talk about the picture, right? Because I was I can't remember what I was talking about or looking at, but just recently the fact that back in the day when we had records and we look at those records, when I hear those records now, they sound like the record looks. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Hell and yeah. When, when, you, when you hear Victim in Pain and you see that picture, that live shot, it's like, you know, Stigma's got that look on his face, real shaved down, you know, uh, maybe 
maybe a shirt, but the sleeves cut off. So, you know, the, you see arms with tattoos. Um, and it's just like, you know, Roger's like up like this. Yeah. And like, that's a fucking tough band playing some tough music. And the, the, first, the first note on the record, and again, laying the needle on the vinyl is what we did back in these days, right? Just and it's like and it's off you know what i mean and it's like these dudes are bad off to the race guitar stigma's guitar just i can't tell you how many songs since 1984 here in victim in pain i still think you know how we should start this one song out right yeah because it's like it's just bam and and there's just no debate there's no doubt in my mind what, what Vinny Stigma brings to the table is from his gut and his spirit into the hands on that instrument. And it's like, it's attitude and style. Yeah. When I first joined the Front, Vinny, I don't know if you remember this, but we used to talk, I used to ask you questions about the overdubs you did on Victim in Pain. There's, there's certain songs like, I think, uh, God, what is it? Remind them. And then out. You know, and it's like, you you were doing overdubs. You were doing, I'm sure, you know, you had like ideas. Like you you were adding color and texture to that recording. There's Um, definitely some texture on that recording. And and like, like, yeah. (laughs) You know how many many times I've written uh, with time? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I wrote, yeah, that yeah. song again. Yeah, you know what it is. Victim in pain is the ABC of hardcore. So we always gonna go back to the alphabet. You're gonna always rewrite one of those songs. And you know? sounds, it's just, it's, it's got balls that just. Uh, yeah, I, I always call it the greatest, greatest mistake of my life. <laughs> you guys were just, you, you know, it was just like hit record and go. It'll be 37 years uh, on April 16th, we recorded it. 37 years ago, 84. Jesus, 37 years ago. On April 16th, that's next weekend, and I always celebrate it. I, I text Roger every year. Happy Jeez. birthday. Yeah, gee, 37 years. Right. That is fucking insane. I was one years old. Wow. <laughs> waka, waka, waka. Yo. <laughs> Biggie, no, damn. You know, I, I, I always, I use you as the example. They were like, how long can you do this shit? I said, Stigma's writing that book every day. You know, even for, I'm in pretty know. good shape, you know? Yeah. Oh, hell. I had COVID. I'm better. You know, I, I yeah. feel a lot better. And, you know, everything. You're cool. the playbook. You're the playbook. You know what I mean? When they write, yeah. all right, where you're going to take it is going to be you. Go here. It should be shaped like Stigma's profile. You grab it by the nose and you open it. And then it tells yeah, you, okay, yeah. this is this is this is how you do it. You go till you can go. That's that's when you go. You know what I mean? You Stay. go because you like to go. You love to go. There yeah. you go. You don't go. Then and there you go. <laughs> and there you go. You go. You gotta go. I always say when I go on tour, if it's January first and I'm coming home February February thirteenth, I'm woo. <laughs> it's February thirteenth, the night before, I start coming down and then go home. Until then, you want to go eat? Okay. You don't want to eat? Okay. You want to go here? Okay. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the difference? You're going to eat. You're going to shower. You're going to play the show. You're you going to sleep. I, get on the bus if you're lucky. Get in the van. How many van tours we did, you know? Yeah. You know what? Stigma is like the Yogi Berra of, <laughs> of 
of hardcore. I mean, he, the quotes, I mean, and everybody here has been on tour with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one that sticks with me is when you're hungry, you eat. When you're tired, you sleep. You sleep. That's, like, that's the meaning of life, dude. It's that yeah. simple. It it's, is true. It's, it's literally the meaning of life. You know, in Pulp Fiction, when they open up the thing and you don't see what it is, it's basically that words. It's like, <laughs> you're hungry and stigma like, like this. There's a picture of him. He's gonna, the fucked up thing is he's gonna outlive us all. Okay. Absolutely. You kidding me? I, I watch him on stage. I'm, I sweat. I watch Stigma throwing oh. grenades. You know, he throws the grenades. I'm like, I'm sweating. I'm like, how oh, he does it. I, I love being on stage with all of you guys. I've oh. been on I've toured with all of you guys. I've been on stage with you. And I had a lot of fun, especially with you, Hoya. Oh, we had a lot. I know, Stig. Rode around circles that you, you, you'd be like, I know Stigma while and oh we had a lot oh so and I used to like play like you know oh, like yeah, I, punch at you you know all all the time we wrote the forget it but I, believe me I I learned I learned to love Stigma even more like every every year after him I I just I fell more and more in love with him just the more and more and it to the point where it's like um, it's disgusting I I hit him up all the time I'm yeah. like, I talk Stigma more Stigma than anybody because. You really are the playbook on everybody got, you know, when, on, on our whole movement. Oh, this, I'm too, too young. I grew out of it. I, grew, I go, no, listen, shut the fuck up. This shit is rocking. Stigma's on stage right now somewhere. He's fucking drinking somebody's beer. He's talking, he's putting some new kid on and he's playing a fucking stage and he's killing it. Shut the fuck up. Nobody knows what's what. He's writing the book. If you want to know where the, how the story ends, follow Stigma. He's writing the book on it, period. You know, you I don't care be, who, it's just what it is. Yeah, you gotta be a good role model too, I realize now, you know, as I got older, you know, and everything. You always, Stigma you know, was always good. You go always with good people, that's why. Yeah. You know, that's why you're loved by, by people. That's yeah. why there's other people who were around a billion years and they can't show their face because they hate it because they're pieces of shit and it comes out in the wash. I always tell every band or ever, go make a friend. Better than making an enemy. Because now if I go to L.A., I know my friends are going to come there, take me to a restaurant, hook me up with weed, take me out to bars. Yeah. You know, if I need a guitar, you know, anywhere in the California. I got yeah. Lars. I got Mikey Hood. I got this guy. I got Chris from Power. I got this guy, the other guy. You know? Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. always good to anybody who's in the band. Go out and make friends. It's so, you don't want that. I'd show up. They're going to show up with a hardball bat. They're going to crack my head. <laughs> well, you know, the, you know, stigma because I I saw this from the first day I ever met you, and it was at a show in Chicago before I joined the band. It would have been on the Liberty and Justice tour in '88, uh, 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 and uh, you were after the show. You guys were breaking down, and I just wandered up to the stage, and you know, you and I chatted for a brief moment, and I. From then on, and then joining the band with you and watching how you deal with people that we'd run into, opening bands is the example, right? Younger people, clearly, that weren't around from day one. You were always friends with them. It's like, you didn't give a fuck. You're, you'd be older, clearly, right? And you're not, you're not hung up on like, ah, oh, these new guys, they don't yeah. know. They're head. You know, they're part of you. Exactly. You and you, you always were like, that's how you welcomed everybody in. Oh. You brought people in. We're trying um, to grow this movement. We're trying to get it together, you know? Yeah. Because I mean? yeah. if yeah. it ain't me, it's going to be you doing that. Watch, I watch, 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 watch. Exactly. 
And this is what's great about, um, again, agnostic front into the, my next thing that I, wa I wanted to get into. And agnostic front is one of the first people to do it and speaking on, and, and it has to do with what became um, part of the, the, the blueprint and guitar playing in our, in our music now was the crossover, the letting the metal come into hardcore because some people didn't want it. You know yeah, that I stigma. Know. Yeah, well, look, look at Maddie. Maddie changed the face of Agnostic Front. Also, he, yeah. uh, you know, I stand on his shoulders too. Yeah, I mean, the kid, here's some kid came out of fucking who knows where Minneapolis. I fucking uh, he he lived with me for a couple of years, Maddie, right? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, he, he just changed. He was a good kid, just like Willie. Yeah, you know, Willie was some yeah. kid from Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, and we right away. It doesn't matter if you're from Pittsburgh, from yeah, New, York, yeah. New York, LA. Everybody, you know, everybody has a play. Yeah, and everybody has a. If you're, if you want in, this is what I try to tell people. Is like, yo, if you got something, this is the way I see. Like, I don't want to get political, but like to, to countries, you want to live here, you got to invest in it. You know, when yeah. you invest in something, it gives back to you. You got to nurture yeah. it. You know, and it become. You got to, you know, and that's how. And the same thing with the the music. You know, we got to let people in. You know, right. and I'm glad it was letting because I always loved metal and right. I love that. But, you know, hardcore was it hardcore was my inside. Yeah, hardcore exactly. gave you a life. Exactly. That's my lungs. You know, metal was like, OK, maybe metal is my brain, but my lungs and my heart. That was the hardcore shit. And mm. I was glad that I was able to use the same. The, the, the our Jesus Christ in our Bible, which is agnostic front to be like, yeah, those are also the same guys that didn't hate on metal when they came out with cause for alarm. Mm. You know what I mean? Which would made it for the purest. The purest may have hated it, yeah. but that, I liked yeah. it because I was like, yo, I like that metal shit. Now I could right. bring it in. And that was and before Maddie too. Exactly. Right? That was, and, you know, and I liked the evolving. idea because I loved metal, but I never was into long hair. Right. And I was never into makeup. You know what I mean? Right. I was just never into piercings and all that stuff. But I loved metal sonically. So when AF, when I would find the cause for alarms and, you know, these other crossover bands, and then I was like, yo, dope. Okay, I could just say I'm doing cause for alarm and not say I want to play some metal shit. You know, yeah. I could use it as a... <laughs> but what I wanted to ask that same question to Lars, because Lars, where he comes from, that's a hotbed for metal. And I know you came up with a... A lot it, that in the background, you know, the thrash greats were from fucking, wait, you know, from all, you know, Northern California. And I and that's my shit. I'm a thrash. If it's metal, it's thrash. You know, I wasn't into every thrash band, but if it was, it was the Slayers, you know, the Exodus is the, you know, what the, Met the Metallica, early Metallica, you know, um, the handful and in, in, in that. They you were like hardcore for, guys too. You that's know? what they, I mean. We were all on the same level. Like even yeah. with Bobby from, from Biohazard, you yeah. know? Lars, he worked, he worked me, with Pokey. Yeah. What I want to ask Lars, because Lars is a Bay Area guy. Oh, right? Yeah. You consider your area the Bay Area? You also? Because I know I'm there's raised, other. Bro. Yeah, exactly. Like I know, but I know there's other cities that I don't know if it's considered Bay Area, but in that area. Bay Area is, is just kind of, uh, it's like, um, you know, abbreviation of San Francisco Bay Area. Okay, so, yeah. Oakland, Berkeley. Clay, San all Bay. those, yeah. You know. And that's the hotbed for metal guys. And I know you were never really a metal guy, but I know you liked some metal stuff and you were a rock guy, more of that. But the metal that was around you, what, what was that? Did you find any metal that kind of clicked with you? Because I know you liked some of it. What were some of the dudes out there that well, you were like, yo, I like what he's doing? And, well, Exodus, of course. I mean, I remember I saw 
And it's funny because me and Zetro from Exodus were talking uh, a while ago. I saw his second show with the band as they were at the Mountain View Theater. I used to, I saw um, Metallica. I saw um, you know Testament. A lot of these bands because yeah. they have broken bones with Death Angel and you know GBH with Metal Church. That's and so dope. Those are that's like that's dope to hear. Like I'm like, oh shit, word. That's like well, a lot of a lot of the times you would see like fans that we grew up with, like you know GBH, you know uh, Broken Bones, whoever it was, um, and they would they, when the whole Combat Records was going out because you had the thrash bands and the punk bands on the same level. So mm. you know this is like '86, '87, you know, um, and I think that we sort of I think the punk scene sort of softened softened to that because. You know, when you thought metal back then, you thought like, you know, Motley Crue and fucking, yeah. you know, the, you know, shit like that, which we weren't really, you know, we weren't really about the excess. We weren't, we were poor kids, you know what I mean? We didn't know yeah. anything about excess. Yeah. Um, you know, we knew about, we didn't really have that, that kind of, what they were singing about wasn't relatable. But I think the thrash bands, they were like what Vinny was saying, it was more like on the same level. I mean, they might've had, you know, longer hair and, and but they had studded leather jackets and, and belts and stuff like that. So like, it wasn't that, you know, different other than the hair really. Yeah. Yeah. You know? but, but that's specific to the Bay area. The Bay area is basically New York city on the West coast. Well, for thrash 100%. I mean, you even, know, even Metallica had to move up. Listen, there. if it was hardcore thrash, you know, graffiti, because uh, uh, you know, SF is like New York with Hills, you know, saying, you know what I mean? That same vibe It's mad people. Nobody cares what's going on. It's not LA. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's all, and it, it always reminded me of New York city in so many ways. And that's why guys that we know end up moving there. Cause they're like, Oh, it's not it's like not missing a beat. And the same thing with the music, the metal was dirtier. The hardcore was dirtier. The punk was dirty. You, know well, you I mean? also have to understand that San Francisco was is still, you know, a union town. It's probably the last one on the West Coast. And I mean, the last general strike was organized here. So it's like, I think that you have this, this heavily rooted working class, um, you know, uh, um, uh, population. And I mean, in the 80s, when all this music was going off, I mean, there was really high unemployment here. It was not like, you know, Silicon Valley, as we know now, where every yuppie and every, you know, you know, dumb kid wants to move here now and stay here for a few years until they get bored of it and move on to wherever they go. People who were really from here were, was, had very, very solid working class roots. And I think that a lot of these bands that we're talking about, that's where all these people came from. You know, their dad was a janitor or mom was, you know, uh, you know a hotel maid or, or whatever it was. It doesn't, you know, but I think just having that, that coming from that place, that's what bred, you know, really good punk rock and really good thrash metal. And with, with a message, I think, you know, and yeah. it, was, it had a social conscious, you know, and it was saying, you know, predicting um, viruses and, and, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I'm just saying, punk, just rock, saying. punk rock has been talking about this for about 40 years. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, that's true. That's true. That's true. You know, sorry, not to trivialize it, but no, nah, no, but yeah, yeah, we all know that. You know, everybody, third eye, <laughs> third eye, brother. <laughs> Matt, all right, Maddie, mm -hmm. I, I kind of know who your guy is, but a lot of people, you know, and I get into it because uh, you know when you can't talk guitar without you know talking, you know, obviously 
the, the, the besides the classics like we all know the the Tony Iommi's and of course and all those you know the ACDC guys and the Led Zeppelin dudes but the thrash guys that that you know all these metal guys have a big they have their part in in the sounds of even punk of later punk rock which started adding more and you know and, and, and the thrash era you know who, who was the guy that that you've seen you know that made no and I kind of know who you who it is who your guy is but let people know who was your guy, the, you know, the thrash dude, the guys with, in the heavy music that you were like, that's the motherfucker doing it. Like, he's doing something that people got to watch. I mean, okay, so thrash era? I mean, okay. Um, people want to know your heavy shit because they all, a lot of, you know, a lot of these, a lot of people that hit me up want to know. And, you know, I'm always telling them Eddie Van Halen. They're like, okay, we know Eddie Van Halen. We know which metal guys you guys like, which punk guys, you know, they want to know the guys there might be some bands that they listen to now and they want to know who are the influences. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, because I was punk rock, right. I mean, I, again, grew up on classic rock. So I already had that rock foundation with, you know, heavier distorted guitars being the main thing. Um, and then, yeah, sure. Van Halen um, in terms of like, just being like amazing at the instrument. Right. And the band kicked ass. I mean, they were just, they, to me, again, you know, they sounded like they're on fire when you heard it, right? But then get into punk rock, you got, I mean, it's true. And I'm just saying it because the man's here on a podcast with me because he's my very good friend. Stigma was one where it's like you hear and feel some power there that you don't hear on other records. You don't hear it from other guitar players. It's like, I mean, I, I learned every song on that record, you know, way, way back when it came out, right? And GBH, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of building up to where I'm saying yeah. heavier discharge GBH, which, you know, Motorhead, you know, I mean, you got that gang, 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 you know, that grind. That push, yeah, the percussion, like Lars was saying yeah, before, yeah. the drummer part. A little more distorted, a little bit Pushing. more consistent. <clears throat> and then, you know, out comes Metallica. Yeah, that's what I was. And, and Metallica are wearing GBH and discharge t-shirts you could kind of tell like the guitar playing and then it peaked that fucking james hetfield you know and now you got you got this guitar sound that everybody takes for granted today but i remember before it existed with that you know that real tight palm mute with that metallic edge I mean, James Hetfield, Metallica. I mean, that's, you want to talk about rhythm guitar playing? Yeah, yeah I, know. But, I know. And that's what I was, I knew it was because. The key though, to me, is to know how to use that and know how to put the Vinnie Stigma in as well. Yeah. And then you got that, that fully balanced and just, you know. What good is a cock with no balls? <laughs> it's going to look funny. I mean, come I, on. Let's, let's, yeah. It's just going to look funny. Yeah. No, but you're right, you know, and I know Headfield because, you know, again, that's like the, the, the you know, that those are the, the, the exactly, you're playing anything tight, palm muting, you're thinking Metallica, you know, if you think, you know, you know, even the word metalhead, I think that came from Metallica, like a Metallica head, Metallica, right? Metallica. Yeah, your big Metallica head, your big metalhead, you know, I, it's like, but guitar playing, I don't know how anybody cannot fucking, you know, deny the right hand on that motherfucker. Stiggy. You, you come, you're a little bit more of a, a more um, a advanced, a little bit more um, aged breed, you know, besides Mozart, who was the other guy in music <laughs> at your era? 
Well, when I was a kid before, you know, of course, and, and my other guitar players was the GBH and the, yeah. the, that, that came you know, after. But, but all right, yeah, Stig, okay. who's the guy you played? All right, you're playing. I know you already, the punk, you already know how to play. You learned the oldies. But there was a guy that something that shook it up that you, who was that guy in the later years? I, if, I if think you know, like Frank Sinatra, you know, get, you know, to give you that. Yeah, the, you know the, what I mean. You don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. You know. Then again, and on the other side, Caruso, the singer. You ever hear his yeah. records? Mm -hmm. When you put them on, you hear the crackles yeah. and yeah. The, the type of the recording. It gives you a feeling like wow, yeah. this is ooh. Yeah. You know, and that's totally like not hardcore, but it has a hardcore edge to it. Yeah. Same like a lot of old tango music. I like. Uh huh. It has that that strife. To it, you know. Let, let me okay, Sticky. Let me ask you this because I know you were never a metal guy. You like metal stuff. You, you appreciate it. I know you're, you know, yeah. you, weren't, you weren't a metal guy, but you, you don't, you know, you ain't a hater. That's like one of your nephews. Metal's your nephew, right? Yeah. You know what I mean. And um, but what was it about metal that you did like? Right now they say stigma. We want to know what are your, what could you say for all metalhead kids out there that that that'll give them a little bit of gas in their gas tank. I, I think, you know, because it's reachable now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Especially with the crossover yeah. and the new style of metal, even like in Madball style, yeah. you know, and, or, you know, the newest style. I think kids can relate to that kind of slip, slip yeah. and slide a hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Guitar playing as, you know, as a then chicken picking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 it's more real. It's more down to earth. And it's, I think it's more powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more straight up. And, you know, when you, that kind of, you know, than the flashy, flary style. Yeah. Oh, That's not, the metal I like. Not, not, the, the real, you know, like the straight like Slayer. You know what I mean? That's what I was just about to say. I was like, <clears throat> and know? I know how I you mean, felt you know, about like Slayer. Actions. I mean, kicking exactly. the face and rape. And murder your wife. Yeah. My favorite line ever. <laughs> like, well, hardcore is that. Yeah, yeah. You and know? that's the thing about those early thrash. You could tell the the hardcore influence with the yeah, lyrics. They were trying to I be. Was on, I was on yeah. combat records with, with Slayer. Yeah. And, and that was the hardest shit with AF and Slayer on the same odds. label. Like you fucking kidding me? You know, all those bands we were on. We, I think oh. Testament. I, oh. I don't know. All, all I bands. gotta say after Willie, imagine it would have been Agnostic Front with Lombardo. Oof. That would have been Ooh. hard. That would have been hard to yeah. do a metal record with Lombardo. If Willie couldn't do it, like Willie was like, "Nah, yeah, fuck yeah. you, motherfuckers." We get Cuba on drums, yo. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. have to make some phone calls, and we're gonna yeah. work on this next AF yeah. record. Nah, I but yo, work on our 30th anniversary. Uh, what do you call? Uh, set it off. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm pitching over here. I'm gonna get myself a gig, Maddie. I know. Yeah, exactly. Be there. We're gonna do. We got We got anniversary little tour. You know. We gotta do the tour with it. Have a good time. If this pandemic gets over with, what the hell? Oh yeah. I'm good to go. Listen, no. Now we're gonna we're gonna acknowledge an old story and rumor that also got so blown up. And the only reason I'll even bring it up because mad people bring it up to me for the last twenty six years. And I'm gonna. We're going to tell the truth, and we're also going to debunk a lot 27 of 27 years now. 27 years on the Newport box. So to make a long story kind of short, basically, at one point, to fuck around, <laughs> I used to smoke Newport cigarettes. And one day, to fuck around, 
um, me and Willie were around and we were like, we said something about uh, um, Stigma was running around on stage. or like, let's really give him some freedom. Let's give him a wireless. And this was the days where nobody had wirelesses. So we're like, well, okay, we'll make him one. So then me and Willie, we looked at the cigarette pack. We're like, okay, we take the cigarette pack and we duct tape it to his strap. We put a cord in it and everything. So Stigma plays the show. He ain't plugged in. He's running around. He, you know, he may have did it for a show or two. Right. You know, we did it as a gag or whatever. Yeah. Right. But this was the thing. But check this out. And I remember where it started. We we're playing some bullshit youth club in the middle of nowhere, Germany. And we had uh, technical difficulties. Maddie's guitar went out. So obviously there was no other guitar going on. <laughs> we just stopped playing. So we stopped playing, whatever, whatever. And it took a while after the show. It's clearing out. There's some kids laying around. There's some guy standing there. And he goes, he comes up to me. He goes, why Vini no play? <laughs> I was like. No, Vinny plays. He was playing. He was just low. He goes, no, Vinny, no play. I go, yeah, he was just low, low. And he goes, I'm sound man. <laughs> Vinny, no play. And I was like, oh, I'll be right back. And I just kind of left. You know, <laughs> I, I left it like that. Long story short, the rumors snowballed. Well, I mean, right. years later that people were like, we heard Stigma never played. Stigma walked around with a fake, you know, a battery pack for fucking 10 years. And it became this. No, it was maybe a couple of shows, but we did do it. So that's the story of the. It was only life. entertainment. It was it meant was, to have fun. And that's it was, what, you know, you, you can't. That's what I mean about the reachable. Yeah. Good clean fun. You could be that kid out there. You, whoever you are. Yeah. Young kid, get out there. You could be up there and you could do it maybe better than me. I yeah. hope you do it better than me. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's true. And what it I want so to do, but go right ahead. And, and what I want you guys to also let some people listen, especially law. I could start with you, Lars. Let people know that a lot of people I want to, um, what you call it, emphasize on this because a lot of people think starting out, yo, I need to buy a Les Paul 69, I need to buy a brand new more. How important is name brand shit when you're fucking starting to make music? Let people know because I know you, we all know what's up, but you. To, from the horse's mouth. I, well, you know, I, I, I had a theory for many, many years and, and I held to it. But like, if you're at the time for me, I never paid more than 300 bucks for a guitar. Like, like a lot of my SGs that I had were 125 Guitar Center specials. And I just put new hardware in it and some dirty fingers. And like the most expensive thing on the guitar was the pickups. And it's like, you don't have to like have, you know, yeah like a large bank account to play music. You can just exactly. go and buy everything. I mean, and, and as guitar players, I'm sure everybody will tell you, and even bass players, the sound is right here. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not, it's, and, you know, and, and, and what you're doing to it. It's not necessarily, the. I mean, everybody wants to sound like Jimi Hendrix, but nobody could sound like him because there's one Jimi Hendrix. And, yeah, know, no, exactly. And, 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 I, and I wanted you to even say that because, you know, which, which I think is not only that, you went on to sell millions of records you've done big things and i and it's what it is the pat it shows passion is music it's not just some um what do you call it uh uh um, um, tech technical stuff and theories and all that you guys are good songwriters and and you with that mentality w w came up from you know not worrying about how much your equipment is and just the love of the music where you were able to write music that fucking are played on commercials you know what I mean? It goes to show you, you don't need to be classically trained. You don't need the newest um, uh, brand of equipment. I try to explain that to kids because nowadays is the era of name brands. Everything's a name brand. And if they don't got the name brand, you ain't cool. And I'm like, 
no, you can make it cool. You know, it's like you could have the name brand, but you also then you don't stick out. You know, when you make a, a no name, when you got to jazz it up and you got to you got to give it life to, to make it stand out, then you stand out. You know, and that's the thing that I'm trying to tell people, because I know all your guys um, upbringings were very basic. Same thing with Maddie. Maddie, your guitar, your first thing was put thrown together, right? Yeah, I mean, it was the guitar I could afford, um, and it wasn't fancy. Again, Kalamazoo, you ever heard of it before? Most people haven't, right? Old wooden uh, ship. But it worked, right? Um, yeah, I'm just curious, Lars, did you, ha you know, because are you a, Gib would you call yourself a Gibson guy? Um, you know, not necessarily. I always played Epiphones because, okay. they, because they were cheaper. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, now I have my own um, ESP uh, model and it's right. an SG kind of shape. And then, you know, and I got my own pickups, EMG pickups, but that didn't come until, I mean, I, you know, how long I've been doing this 30 years and I'm just getting that shit now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm fortunate, you know, for having that opportunity, but it's, um, you know, I always just any, to me, it was like, you know, Epiphones were, I thought that they sounded good. It's like those shitty hundred dollar BC riches, you know what I mean? When BC riches were shit, you, I mean, I made Rancid the fifth record with a BC rich, a hundred dollar BC rich, because it just sounded fucking crazy, you yeah. know? Yeah, and, you know, the, re the reason I asked is because, I mean, again, Van Halen was my original inspiration, so I was strat body, tremolo bar type player, right? Um, as I gotten older and kind of focused a little bit more on less of that and more on just kind of beating on the, the strumming side and non-tremolo type stuff it would be cool to get a gibson you know let's check it out i wouldn't buy i, I cannot believe how expensive they are i don't know how anyone could be a gibson yeah i love all those classic guitars that shit it costs fucking buy a house with, with these guitars. Well, let me tell you something though this is a funny story and, and because he's here so I, you know i had back surgery when i was 29 so i couldn't play less paul's anymore and I was trying to figure out what to do, where to go. And Matt Freeman and Tim, and we were all talking, they're like, and I was saying, I don't really know what kind of guitar to get. And Matt goes, well, what about an SG? And then literally Tim said, yeah, Vinny Stigma plays an SG. And if that was like the selling point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah. Sold. Sold. I literally, that's why I play S those SG shapes now. It's because of stigma. Yeah. And, and he's to have the Les Paul Jr., right, Stiggy, right? Yeah, I had that. That was my first. When I toured with GBH in 86, 85, uh, we, they came to America. They had no equipment. So me and Jacques used to use the, my guitar, you know? And uh, you think we take strings? We, we changed one string then. Like, if it breaks, yeah. you change the string. That's it. If and it breaks, you change it. Not he reminded me of... Uh, one time we lost my guitar in Dallas. He just reminded me of it just when I seen him last. I said, all right, I remember that. And just like Maddie reminded me of the Joe Paz story. I remember that now with the sweaty head, the bald head, I remember that. <laughs> sweaty head. You know, sometimes you, like in life, you, you, you know, I go to church, I think of like uh, my mother's friends, all the old people that passed away and like you, you know, somebody, I run into somebody tell me a story. Hey, Vinny, remember we hit the baseball over there or whatever. And it's like, it's, it's, it's nice to have memories like that, you know? Oh, yeah, of course. A stigmatic, stigmatic. I'm glad, first of all, I'm glad we were able to connect you on this shit because yeah. for a minute there, we would thought like, 
you know what's happening we need the, we need to get the, the lifeline the jaws of life to get you on yeah. the, the zoom i got danielle my, my I, thank I, god craig satari calls him my uh, handler my handler yeah. oh yeah i know that, that, thank that, god thank god for Daniel. everybody round of applause yeah. for Daniel. Yeah. that's why we got Vinny stigma on the dick let me uh, stigma this is what i wanted to say a story about a quick thing about stigma and, and this is what got and we're gonna see if he could whip something now so back then when we we're talking about the cigarette pack days Stigma was basically, he, he, was, he was just getting in a, in a time in his life, I think, where he, you know, he was just, you know, whatever. He, it was before he got out of the band and he wanted to move on or whatever he was planning to do in his life. So he was moving away from music, basically. And then I remember um, 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 me getting, you know, saying, you know, we're, we're working on new music and a lot of the stuff was more metallic. And, you know, we're getting Vinny, come on, Vinny, Vinny. And, and you know, Vinny was kind of like, not even trying and we were getting mad and then i remember sitting there one day and he picks up an acoustic guitar and he starts playing and singing and i got so pissed off because i go this motherfucker god you know we're just trying to get him to pick something and he's not even trying because he just didn't want to he was in the mood but now he busted out a guitar and started singing and playing all these oldies and fucking blew my mind yeah and i was like and then i was like um then that's when i learned the secret of any stick well i was like you know you just got to let them go. It's entertainment, man. That's all it is. <laughs> you just got to let them go. And you okay. just did a thing for, for um, you just recorded some acoustic shit, right? Didn't you? Um, I, did it, or, or you played some live show, Stigma Band shit. Yeah, uh, that was for Revive the Music. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what you just did, right? Yeah, that's for Generation Records. You know, and it's the same thing I did for Jesse Malin for uh, Save the Stages. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we're trying to like, you know, help out all, you know, all the local people that help out the hardcore community and all the bands. Yeah. That like maybe raise some money and and Mark and Jesse are two great guys. They they really do a lot for music yeah. and the scene. No, they look out for everybody. It's good, man. You know, right now we gotta put light on all these people trying to keep keep alive and all these clubs because yeah, that's, that's the spots that we're gonna have to play. There's there's one argument one last argument or discussion i want to bring up to you guys because <clears throat> this is a perfect thing to have you guys because this is um something that's been brought up for many years and you all could have a different um i want i want to hear what you all got to say about it jimmy hendrix stevie ray vaughn they're in a steel cage guitar match <laughs> you gotta pick one and I, you know and, I and, I, and I know who i got and i know i think you got but i got my reasons but we're gonna go, and I want to. Right now, we're we're gonna play lawyer for our for our pick. We're gonna start with fucking um Sir, Sir Lars over there. Oh, you shit. know, he, the lawyer for the Nordic Viking people. All right, <laughs> the Viking lawyer. Who's your pick of, of of guitar overlord of your fucking tribe of your Nordic tribe? Well, I mean, you know, okay, so Stevie Ray Vaughan obviously is more of my generation, right? So I'm gonna be more familiar with him. You know. But then you hear Voodoo Child, you know, Jimi Hendrix, and you're just like, does anything really step to that? Yeah. And even, <laughs> you know, even Stevie Ray Vaughan's version of that, I mean, I think it's, it's I mean, the way that- Better. He, you could say it, it's better. I don't know, I, I won't say that, but, but I will say that it's like, I don't, it, it's such a hard, it's a hard thing to do because I, you know, regardless of the era, they're both phenomenal and 
game changers, you know, and approach guitar and obviously both left us way too fucking young. You know Wolf, what I mean? Wolfgang is in a guillotine right now. They oh, say, Lars, you got to pick your guy. Wolfgang's head is going to roll unless you pick. <laughs> ah, well, you know, I got a chance to see Stevie Ray Vaughan. I never saw him. <laughs> oh, so. I thought you were going to say, oh, I have another son left. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought you were about to say that. That would have been great. I'll make another. more. I'll make more. You know <laughs> yeah. I mean? So um, who would be, you had to pick your guy. Who do you think? Because you know why I know. Believe me, I understand. Me? That's why I bring it up because it's so you're gonna come up stigma. But I want to hear Lars's his case because, and and your argument because this is a a good argument for guitar people because it's so tough. But I got my my you know my reasons also, you know. Who you got, Lars? Three, two, one. Hendrix. All right. Ooh, Wolfgang, God, kiss your father. <laughs> 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 Hendrix, okay, and you, and I know why you. I think you're gonna pick him because you, you're giving him the extra credit for being the guy who first started the ball rolling. So, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take credit for reading your brain, even if I'm wrong. All right, Maddie, <laughs> Maddie, you gotta pick, and I, and I don't even know your answer on this, but I know you agree with me in a lot of this, but I don't even know your answer, so I'm really curious. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the reality in terms of, as a guitar player that spoke to me more out of the two it'd have to be stevie ray vaughn because you know like john uh Lars said you know his generation my generation um you know but the, here's the reality if you're talking about that situation you're talking about the cage match yeah. or was it a ca what? cage match they right head to head you know in the crossroads the devil's there lay his weapon down put his head down right in front of Jimi Hendrix if that was the case and said, take me, take of my course. life. No, exactly. And that, that's because Muhammad was, Ali, who would destroy any boxer ever before him, he would do that at Jack Johnson out of respect. Right. Because that's what right. makes him even more right. bigger. So yeah, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Thank you, Maddie. I take that as a Stevie Ray Vaughan. <laughs> right or wrong? Am I right or wrong? Am I reading between lines? I mean, again, or what you know, to, to answer your specific question, give, give you one person, it would have to be Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie. Stigmatic, I guess we think you know, but tell tell us your love and why. Uh, I don't know. Jimmy Hendrix was the guy for me. Yeah. But I, I, I think I gotta bring somebody on that, that would challenge both those guys oh, to yeah? a cage match. Hold oh. on, I'll be right back. Okay, I'll, we're gonna see who's gonna challenge drum roll, please. Who could challenge Jimi Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan? Drum roll, please. You got me thinking. <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> Oh, shit. Who is it? I'll take the two of them and I'll crush them. Oh, I'll shit. shred them. I'll shred them up. And I am the guitar god. Oh, <laughs> shit. And there you go. <laughs> well, I guess. Well, get him out of here. Get that guy out of here. He's crazy, that guy. Guys, everybody, you get, you know, you never know who's going to drop in on the show. You don't know. Mill Mascara, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Stigmatic. Um, Jimi Hendrix, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, the only reason I said, you know why? I, I, it's funny because I can honestly say my, my, my opinion on this only comes from since I, I hated all of that shit as a kid because it was out mm. of my, they were both, I considered it old and I was like, yo, that's some other shit. And Stevie Ray Vaughan, I used to be like, that's some hillbilly shit when Willie and these guys were listening. That's some hick shit. I don't want no part of it because I wouldn't give it no chance. And then I listened one day. 
you know. And I get Hendrix. Hendrix is freestyle. I get it. If it Hendrix brought the Hold punk rock the to guitar tower. playing. That's he, it. He brought the hey. punk rock to guitar playing, like the freestyle. But you know, Willie and these guys would hear Stevie Ray Vaughan. And one thing I'm the furthest thing from, I'm opposite of Hillbilly. And Stevie yeah. Ray Vaughan just reeked of Hillbilly to me. <laughs> but when I watched him play Jimi Hendrix, I said, that's what Jimi Hendrix should sound like. Hey, I'm saying this is what I felt. Not right, what right. Chet, That's Albert King's nephew, yeah, right, But I was blown away because I said, this guy is playing with that much flavor. And he had flavor, like what yeah. I consider flavor. And he was so clean playing. But I was like, he's a white boy, but he has soul. And I was like, but he's doing, he has the soul like Jimmy, but he's playing cleaner. Yeah, and I was he, like, he is cleaner. I mean, for, for a modern, for, for a younger guy who's used to hearing a more modern sound, it makes sense that Steve Ray Vaughan would be the choice because it's like he was cleaner. He was more precise. Yeah. Um, but still nasty. And again, he would not be without Hendrix. I mean, that's just the reality. Sure, yeah. That's true. But I mean, you also have to think about Jimmy's legacy. I mean, he was also a songwriter too. Not that Stevie Ray wasn't. But like I, when I think Stevie Ray Vaughan, I think of either, you know, his covers of Hendrix or, or um, yeah. uh, Pride and Joy. Um, that's track, but when you think Hendrix, it's like 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 Stigma was saying, it's like there's Purple Haze, there's Hey Joe. His hits were bigger for sure, yeah. bigger like bigger. Also a lot of like cover songs too, but like still, you know, Voodoo Child. Like I mean, come on, that's like one of the greatest rock and roll tracks ever. You know, yo, but yo, Stevie Ray, he's playing this one show and he pops a string. And his homeboy changes his string while he's still playing and he don't miss a beat. <laughs> and I almost wish he breaks it every time in that spot. That's how dope it was. I was like, this dude is the flyest hillbilly hick dude that ever freaking played that shit when I well, saw his that. His brother used to come from behind him and play. Yeah, yeah. His, then it must have been his brother, but came and changed the string. He changed the string while he was playing. Yeah, I even love it. Yeah. Even, even if it was staged. I was like, you know, listen, I mean, I and Hoy have talked about this before, but like, it's like, it, it's like also one of those questions like John Bonham or Phil Rudd. I'm going to go Phil Rudd all day because I fucking hate Led Zeppelin because that's the I hate Led Zeppelin too, but I mean, Bonham is the guy. I, no, sorry, Phil Rudd. ACD, come we on. We argue this. Oh, Matt, no. All right, Matt, this is the argument. All we're going right, to bring, bring Maddie real quick. We're going to do a quick, we're going to bring in the drums real quick for one minute. Right. This is our argument, me and our. I had, you know, I ain't a Zeppelin guy. I'm a Sabbath guy, but, yep. and I put Bonham as number one because in the later years, I, I analyzed him. I said, this dude's the GOAT. Um, um, Phil Rudd is fucking a large dude. He was saying a pocket guy, ACDC, which is a pocket band too. Different pocket, but pocket band. Who's your guy? You have to be out of those two. Oh, who's your guy? Um, yeah, it's gotta be Bonham. I mean, it, it, <laughs> no, no, but who was it? Who else was a rug guy? No, Mikey Cheese. Mikey Cheese was a rug guy, right? Because he's more rock and roll. But, you know, I think we got a little bit more of this, Maddie, than them. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, Bonham had a little bit more color, I think. Yeah, I mean, Bonham. Just Bonham, because you could pass it. The, the, the paper bag test, you remember? <laughs> I mean, Bonham to me is just like, you know, it sounds like a king playing on the drums. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. like. It's yeah, oh, no, no, but yeah, no, but I get it, Lars. I know that's why I pick him because it's like picking your, your favorite child. You really can't. I mean, Phil Rudd, and this, this is what I, I feel like a lot of drummers don't get this, right? That's too boring. I don't want to play that beat. That's too, it's like, well, you know what? 
if you played it like you felt it and you meant it, it wouldn't be boring. But yeah, if you're back there being bored, it sounds fucking boring. So, you know, Phil Rudd, I mean, a genius, a master. There would not be ACDC because if they had some drummer who was bored and was playing all over the place because he wanted to satisfy his own trip. Yeah. And we've oh, yeah. all played in front of motherfucking drummers who want to be front men. And oh, yeah. The worst. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, and I can thankfully say I'm not currently doing that, but like. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, it's odd. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's a, but yeah. Stigmatic. I'm still I'm still glad we got stigma in the build. It was good to thanks, see. I'm glad we got you. Me, no, really Sticky, funny. I'm glad. And I wanted to do this one because again, I want to do some for, for the guitar dude, something to get off. And I wanted to see you guys. And what's the deal with you, Lars? What's the deal with Rancid? How's things looking? Because things are opening up a little bit. Is there any new news on the Rancid front, on the old firm front? Uh well, I'm doing a I'm I'm just getting ready, ready to release a little solo record kind of thing and I took some like old songs so I did this like Billy Bragg-esque kind of thing right before the shutdown um uh-huh. me and guitar and I just played some old songs so I kind of re-recorded them added some piano Hammond B3 it's a little percussion to like six songs that's going to get released pretty soon um that's just solo just, stuff just so- solo stuff it'll just be some Viking shit and yeah, that's dumb. uh then Rancid, we're almost done with our new record. Just got to do a few more, you know, sing a few more vocals and hopefully. Oh, I didn't know you guys that. You got to send me something just so I can start dangling in front of people. I heard something you did. Well, and then, you know, and then just like hopefully we'll be out in the summertime. But who knows? You know, right now, all I know is I got to uh, going over to a barbecue with all the fellas. Yeah. You know? Garcia, yeah, tell everybody we said what's yeah. up and everything. Be with Chris and KC and and Kellen and all the all the heads. So yeah, let, let everybody know we said what's up and we're gonna be headed out. Maddie, what's up with you? What's your, your what's the deal with you? The uh, band. Yeah. So the eulogy we got that um, we did that split with Rikers, um, and it uh, seemed to be people seem to be digging it. And now we're gonna um, we're gonna re-release it through Indecision, just pure digital, with a couple other tracks that have already been released, but kind of bundled it up. Uh, that should be happening soon. And then, I don't know, we want to get together to write, but um, I got baseball kicking in with the kids, man. I got three kids, three different teams, three different leagues, ah, all over the charge. place. But uh, it's good, man, finally getting outside yeah. and getting these boys. Yeah, shit's starting to open up, and I'm glad the same thing out here. So yeah. I'm glad, to, you know, especially we could get rid of the kids for a while. These motherfuckers yeah. are driving me crazy. <laughs> Stigmatic. What's up? Are you stigma? Stigma's been busy. I seen him doing hustling. What's yeah. the deal with you? What's the deal? Well, people still digging the the, the records, you know, my solo records. And yep. we just recorded Get Loud just before the I know. You know? We didn't even get a chance to play Get Loud, like yep. on tour. Yep. So basically I got a brand new record out. Yeah. That didn't get, you know, we didn't tour yet. Yep. Because of this thing. And uh, doing some stigma stuff. We're going to do maybe a little, like a like a, an EP or something with Phil Gavano or something. In yeah. the works. But, Dev- you know, we're just waiting for this whole thing to end. I had the COVID. Yeah. Oh, you did, right? I heard and I didn't believe it. So you had it, huh? Yeah, I had it. I was for like a month I was sick. Overall, the hardcore scene, we had a couple close calls. But in overall, we I think we did okay yeah. until this started popping up. And, then, you know, so... 
just want to throw out some fucking positive vibes to yeah. anybody out there. You know, you know, whatever your political shit is, think it's real or not. There's people getting sick from it. Just hopefully everybody's all right and all that. But yo, I'm glad. I'm glad to see all you motherfuckers. I'm glad you made it on. And um, I wanted to do this to, to talk some shit, get us on, and see everybody yeah. quick. And and I'm glad people are gonna like this because um um we don't get to you know um all be together. You know, in one shot, and yeah. they let people in on it. So I wanted to fucking, you know, make some fun of it. But Lars, I love you. Love Maddie, you too, I bro. love you. Stigma, I love you. Love Everybody you too, out boy. there. Yo, look out for Check out all their shit. AF, the eulogy, Old Firm, Rancid, CasaTheRock.com. We love you. Hardcore Libs, you know what's up. Yo, skinhead. <laughs> hey, the fellas. Yo, I want to thank everybody for tuning in again. Um, I've been having a blast with it. I want, you know, anytime I get to break bread with my family, especially with stigma, it's not only a treat for me, I think for everybody, but um, thank you for tuning in. Again, you have to subscribe. And if you want to support the movement, now invest again at Patreon slash the smoking word. Join the movement. Um, catch that wave. And again, Yo, Rob, rest in peace. This one's for you. 